0: Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors, your wide-angle look at the field of PR and what it means for your company. Your host is Merritt Hamilton-Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield. Every firm has a compelling narrative that sets them apart from the crowd. In your company, you can use your own background and storytelling to your advantage as well as that of your business. Now here are your hosts, Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield.
1: Welcome everybody to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield, and uh, uh, got an interesting show today. We're going to be talking about conflict, um, and uh, basically uh, how you know the, the the members of your of your organization, you know, the, you know the relationships, and and how that builds. Or, or, or maybe detracts from your brand, from your, your organization, and how it accomplishes what it needs to accomplish. And uh, and so uh, uh, we'll see wh- that, where that takes us. I'm sure all of us can find uh, lots of, uh, op- uh, if we think about it, lots of, uh, of times when uh, we've had conflict. When you really think about it, um, I think that conflict seems to be... Um, the thing you're, one of the, it, it, it's like you don't go a day at, at work without thinking about some kind of a conflict, whether it's your company and against another, your company and a client. Um, it's the, It seems to be where the conversation lies. And so um, uh, I do think it's kind of a provocative uh, thought um, that conflict uh, can be a positive and can help your organization, can help your brand. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we'll be talking to Dave Gerber. He'll be joining us in the second segment, uh, in in about, uh, about 10 minutes. Um, we're going to go over that. Um, I've, I've been thinking back about, um, as we get prepared for this particular episode about different times in my career, uh, where there has been significant conflict, uh, not just, uh, you know, not just little, small little things, but where there's been, you know, really serious uh, conflict where you're coming into the workplace. And uh, I don't know if the toxic, word toxic workplace is the right term for it, but where it was certainly challenging. And and some of the things I think about when I, when I think back on that, uh, on one particular uh, example, it, it was, uh, so I was in a particular place when I was in the Navy, and it was a broadcasting um, detachment so we had radio we did radio we did tv and um so the bottom line is, is that i was dealing with probably the most creative people i have ever worked with um and it, it there was tremendous conflict between all of the uh, the different parties involved and the leadership and um so a lot of great came out of it um a lot of bad came out of it so i don't know where that leads is all, all i can say is that i remember that to be one of the most um um uh i mean uh, Im- impactful times in my in my life um when i had that extreme uh situation i don't think i'd want to go through that specifically again like that but there was a lot of good that came out of it in terms of um i don't know productivity and um, and and advancing what we were doing and, and and such but uh boy it was tough how about you Merit? Are you uh, uh, you have any recollections of Oh, Merit's calling back because she had a tough uh, thing going on. So there was that. There was that uh, situation, um, and uh, and I'm, I can think of others where it's not been quite as severe, uh, where there's been kind of a constant, um, I, I guess, uh, uh, low-level tension uh, between different different people in the organization, and um, and in in some cases, you know, that has, that has lent itself to some good. But by on the but then the, the, you know the other side of that that we think about often when we think about uh, uh, tension or conflict in the workplace. Uh, in my in my thinking, what what's going on is there is um, a you know a, a, a reluctance to speak and and a reluctance to get the word out and to say what what's on your mind until it reaches a particular level where. Uh, you kind of let, let let go and uh, a kind of a cathartic moment when you uh, you kind of um, uh, lose a little of, of the uh, uh, polite self-control uh, and then there you are you're talking to then 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 you let it all out and 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 I think in the times that's happened to me I, I have a pretty high threshold for um, for being angry Um but when it happens, uh, so, I mean, you know, you're kind of a little out of control, but some good things can come out of that in terms of clearing the air, uh, at least in my experiences, where you say, okay, we, we finally have uh, kind of broken through and we were all being honest with each other about what's really, what we really think about the situation. So, um, so those are some of the thoughts I have on, uh, on conflict. I'll tell you what we'll do. I know Merritt's trying to get back in again, and uh, we've got uh, we've got Dave uh, Gerber who's going to join us in a couple of minutes. I think what we're going to do now is we're going to take a, a a break, and 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 uh, and then when we'll come back, we'll bring Dave on, and we'll bring Merritt on. We hope, and we'll start talking uh, further about this conversation. So um, let's, uh, let's let's let's. Uh, you're listening to the brand ambassadors. Please, if you have a uh, call for some and some something you'd like to discuss regarding this, give us a call at eight six six. Four seven two fifty seven ninety, or send us an email at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima. Our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels, you'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit voxoptima.com. That's voxoptima.com.
3: on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more, achieve more. Are you finding
2: your frequency?
0: are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program
1: Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield, along with Merritt Hamilton Allen, our special guest, Merritt Hamilton Allen, who's who's Merritt's back. Uh, back on. <laughs> for real. On. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, so, so welcome I'd like to you, Merritt. Thank
4: uh, CenturyLink in Houston. Yeah. Thanks and thanks to CenturyLink and Houston, for making this show almost possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was you know I was up there doing the monologue. You know, I did not not that i had prepared the monologue, but I was doing the monologue. Uh, but it was easy. I, 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 it was it was good. Well, anyway, let's get getting back to the real the real issue here, and that we're uh, that our our show today. Uh, we have a guest with us, and uh, we're really pleased to have Dave Gerber with us, who's the president and founder of Synergy Development and Training, uh, a change analyst, a uh, change catalyst, rather motivating people to become the better version of themselves he's been called the best speaker ever by many of his audiences so we're uh, we're happy about that of course that of course that raises the bar very high he has to he has to climb above that that bar for us to, uh, to this morning um, as an executive and leadership coach uh, learning expert and trainer Dave has presented to more than 10,000 executives managers and individuals including SAIC NASA Dominion Power and uh, the folks we're familiar with the military and the intelligence communities. Uh, and he's a, a prolific writer. He's uh, used conflict, uh, uh, a fascinating thing we'll talk about today, uh, and a roadmap to success. A book that uh, Deepak Chopra and Ken Blanchard were involved with. Well, anyway, with all that big uh, introduction and that high bar that you have to, to rise above to be one of the best audience, the best speakers ever. Welcome, Dave.
5: Well, that was huge. I appreciate that, and I need. I guess I'm going need a copy of that. That was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Well, anyway, um, so I would imagine that that, uh, intentionally the title of your book is somewhat provocative to get people thinking, wait a minute, you know, use conflict. Conflict is a bad thing. So why don't you just tell us about, um, uh, you know, how you came up with this idea for a book?
5: Well, thanks. First of all, it's great to be on your guys' show. I really appreciate it. Uh, So, yeah, what I realized basically was that it's this issue that people have a long term memory of and it, it you know so if we think of the brain right the long term memory is stored in the same part as the emotional center so when people hear different words they sort of go back in history throughout time in their life and they sort of decode it with a with an energetic and the word conflict usually doesn't decode very well for people they don't like it they don't like the way it feels they don't like managing it and they remember that all through their life so what i what I thought was, you know what if we just look at conflict as not a dirty word and we and we look at some of the benefits, kind of like what you talked about in the first part of the show, you know the positive sides of conflict, we can use conflict, and so I realized that was really what we need to be doing.
1: It seems to me that uh, that conflict is something that in, in when I was thinking about it again in, in anticipation of the show was that it seems as if when we engage with our fellow workers, Merit, you can uh, get your thoughts on this too, is that oftentimes it seems like we spend a great part of our work day Discussing issues that are conflicts—not not necessarily a massive, big, you know, really bad problem—but oh, how are we going to deal with this issue that the client's bringing up? What about this partnership we have, and and are we getting along with them or uh, competitors, or even uh, you know, issues with employees? Um, I mean, does it is that what you've learned in your research, Dave? That um, that conflict is, seems seems to be like a, a pervasive thing in, in a workplace.
5: It's absolutely pervasive. <coughs> Pardon me. And, you know, what's interesting is when I first started my business 15 years ago doing this work, I, I was a little naive in the sense that I wanted to help people, wanted to help organizations sort of create wellness in a sense. And what I realized was that's good, but that doesn't drive business and, and money drives business. And so I have to figure out how to get people to start the conversation. And because it's pervasive, one of the things I did, and people it's a free tool, but they can use it at conflictcalculator.com. It allows people to do what you're talking about, which is actually add up, quantify the amount of conflict that organizations are dealing with. And the numbers are staggering. I mean, I'm sure every single one of your audience's uh, members and their organizations would be surprised at the lowball figures that the document, the tool sort of helps you figure out. It's pervasive. And there's really, I sort of see it as one major reason why, and that's because societally we sort of failed at giving people conflict management skills so it's not like i just sort of like had them and and when we talk about conflict management skills we're really talking about tools techniques and re- particularly reproducible tools that can help anyone uh, that are not personality driven, that are not uh, based on gender or race or any sort of distinction that can work for everybody. It's one of the things that I help people do and help organizations when they say, well, where do we start? You know, you've convinced me that conflict is an issue and that um, we're losing tons of money and we're talking about tons of money. So where do we start? Well, you start to go after multi generational conflict and you do so with low hanging fruit because it's everywhere and it's not the fault of anybody. But as we sort of move forward and progress, we have to have organizations stop asking goldfish to climb trees. You know, we can't ask individuals who don't have skill sets in conflict management reproducible. When we have 150 different countries and different languages and different parents and different teachers and now we put them in a room, we say, go be a high performance team or go communicate well. Uh, and it's it's unrealistic. And so we can give them skills, and we can get these skills in the hands of everybody, and so people are, you know, and the skills I'm talking about are things we probably should have been taught in middle school, but more formalized in a way that people can reproduce it, pull it out, plan for difficult discussions, and spend more time getting to win-win.
4: So I think we're talking about getting to, you know, the... Um if you will, lowest common denominator, what's what's the core um, uh, statement that every can get, everyone can get on board with? And I appreciate uh, your comment about multi-generational. How, uh, in, in the 15 years since you've done this, how have you seen uh, the multi-generational conflict shift?
5: Well, I can talk about what I see right now in particular, which is that we have a... Right now in the United States, post-2016 uh, election, regardless of who, wh- whatever side anybody's on, we can all agree that we have a heightened sense of friction. We have a heightened sensitivities in the workplace. It's become more difficult to, to be honest, um, probably build trust, and do a lot of the things that uh, that are required for high performance and for success and for exceeding potential. And so one of the things that I've seen is that uh, the different generations, while they have, I, I'm a firm believer that many of them have similar overlapping needs, they're just prioritized differently. And so it's about the ability to communicate effectively around those to find out you know, how to move forward together. And I also think at the same time that because when we talk about having maybe five or six or seven or four different generations in a particular workplace, we're talking about people who maybe have never really sat down and talk about What's important? What drives them? What is their personal currency? You know, or how do they lead? What's their leadership legacy? And the lack of uh, the lack of information as humans, we just fill in the gaps. We make if we don't know it, we make up the story. And so I think a lot of times, and you talked about something really important when you started, and that was sort of like baselining it, and really, truly, particularly with conflict regardless of the generation, is being able to step back, and I can share this this segment if you want a tool, but to step back and identify what's the real primary source of the conflict. Because if we don't do that, um, then what happens is is the conflict shows up in sort of other places, and most likely it shows up as a relationship conflict, and that's usually not the case. It's usually something else, and if it's talked about effectively, that can be uh, discovered multigenerationally. So that's what I would say.
4: Well, and let's pick up on that. Let's pick up on that. And, you know, uh, uh, take us through your baseline tool. I think that's what uh, we're talking about.
5: Okay, yeah. So it's not – this particular tool is not my tool. It's a tool by um, Christopher Moore, and I love it. And it it really needs to be a part of sort of every management program, sort of every professional needs to really understand this. In fact, I think it's – again, it's one of those tools that sort of needs to be taught early in life because if you understand it – uh, it really simplifies everything. So Christopher Moore says that all conflicts all conflicts fall into one of five categories. And so what we're looking to do is find what the primary source of the conflict is. Now, this can be a conflict that we're dealing with horizontally, vertically. It can be with a, um, a customer, whomever. But we need to find the primary source. So the five primary sources, the first one is data or information. The second one is interests otherwise known as expectations. The third one is relationships. The fourth one is structural. And the last one is values. And so what happens is, and they get more and more difficult to solve as we go down that list, but so we have to be able to baseline. I sort of think of that analogy. Some of your listeners remember remember the overhead projectors that you had in school where you sort of had the transparency that you laid over top and there was like a gerbil running this thing that had a light and it would shine up on the wall. And Sort of those transparencies, if you can use this as a filter similarly, you start to see conflict differently. So, for instance, data conflicts, there's often a lot of data. I don't have the data. You didn't give me the data. I didn't find the data. I disagree with your interpretation of the data. And so you have those. And then you have your interest conflicts or expectations conflicts. Well, I want to go home at five. Well, I want to go home when the job is done. Uh, Or, you know, I want it to be this color or I want it to be that color. Um, and then what happens is all, then we have relationship conflicts. So relationship conflicts, it's just like you may not like that person or maybe it's just started off from something else. And because it snowballed, it never gotten taken care of. Now every time you see that person, you have an issue or a physiological response and you don't know why. One of the frustrating conflicts for a lot of people is structural conflict because it's sort of like processes and the pathways of business, how things get done. And most of the time, most people don't have a say in developing the processes or reengineering the process. So, you know, if I didn't make up um, how we get which kind of health care we get and you didn't either, then why are we having a fight about this? We sort of really out of our control. And so sometimes that's really frustrating. The last one is values. And that's a lot of times now where you start to see and circle back to this multigenerational discussion are some different, different prioritized values. Uh, and so when people can step back, you know, take two steps back, identify the proper and the primary, because it's always going to have a little of this and a little of that. And that's sort of a cop out when we're trying to really figure out what the primary source is so we can get to a solution.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that, um, uh, it would seem to me that, 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 um, it, depending on the various people in the organization that, 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 that uh, many or all of those conflicts are going on all the time in different, in different ways, you know, and, and um, and not necessarily, you know, so person A may have, you know, a data, issue going on, person B values and, and, you know, person C's got three or four of them. I mean, so in an organization, Dave, that has, you know, multiple people in there and there is, it's perceived that they have, they don't know what their problem is. They just know that there's a problem. I mean, how do you deal with that when you've got so many different personalities involved?
5: Well, and I think that's where I think that's why it's really important that we have to go back to baseline tools that cut across person that are not personality driven, you know, and sort of our, the way the, the, the way we interact with people is sort of the the meat and meat on the bones. But we have to have the bones of conflict management. We have to have the fluency around this. So I can have a conflict with one person, which is about, you know, every Friday that before I leave, I need to have a piece of paper that's signed off on. And I, can, and, and I can't find that person every Friday. That could be a data driven conflict that turns into a relationship conflict and at the same time I could be dealing with somebody who's not showing up to work on time and I have to deal with that. So the first thing is that we have to start to deal with conflicts one on one you know and that's one of the things that I help people do is get the skills to not need to bring in and I do mediation but not to bring in a mediator or a third party where oftentimes things get triangulated and more conflict is created
4: i think it's interesting when you were talking about where the data comes from i think that's another point you made in 2016 the way we get our data and information has kind of turned upside down in the last five years um and i'm referring to the death of polling and i'm wondering if that's impacting uh the interest in completing surveys perhaps in a workplace uh I know what I know. I saw it on the internet. I agree with it. So that's my data. Do you see that coming up in today's workplace?
5: You know, you know, I think that's a really interesting point. And one of the things that I think about polling and maybe I'm not um, on target with exactly what you're thinking, but let me know. But one of the things that happens when we do workplace surveys, the biggest challenge and the biggest problem is that there's no action taken. So, there'll be like this survey on how is Well oh, absolutely.
4: You create an expectation. Yeah.
5: You know, and that's, that's, that's a huge failure. Absolutely. because Not only is it, it's like, it's not a one-off pain, right? It's now, it's now becomes like this, like somebody, you know, i stepped on something sharp and now every time I go to work and all the time, now I'm going to say, well, they asked me my opinion, but they don't really care. And like, that's a feeling that becomes pathological, and sort of like, you know, and, and you talked earlier in the show about sometimes it's a low-level tension. Well, you know, so peat moss is flammable underground, and it looks for a weak spot and pops through, and then you have a forest fire. So when we're not addressing this stuff, you know, at, at, with individuals, one-off, basics, taking action – Which There really is low-hanging fruit. There really is opportunity to to make changes and to have people feel better about their ability to work with one another, and and that's what we have to do because if we're just going to ask them, we're really just kicking the beehive if we're not doing anything about it.
1: All right. Well, uh, um, we are uh, we are uh, coming up on a break, Dave, and uh, this is a uh, fascinating topic. Uh, you're listening to the Brand Ambassadors, folks, and please uh, send us an email at brand.ambassadors at com if you have a question for Dave Gerber, or certainly you can call us at 866-472-5790. And uh, we're going to be back in a couple of minutes to continue this discussion.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima. Our outcome based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also, look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service disabled veteran and a woman owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit voxoptima.com. That's voxoptima.com. Or listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program
1: Welcome back to The Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield, along with Merritt Hamilton-Allen, and our guest today, author, uh, trainer, uh, conflict resolver, uh, Dave Gerber. And uh, Dave, you know, um, so we've been talking about conflict, and from the point of view of you know the, the way kind of we traditionally think of it, I think is it's conflict. But you, talk, you say there's a positive aspect of conflict. I don't think we've really, in my mind, haven't really addressed that. I mean, is it as if it's something you would actually want? I mean, what's the positive side of conflict?
5: So I'm a social conflict theorist, so what I I say is conflict is everywhere, it's all the time, it's all around us. I mean, if you really think about it, you know, from the time you get up, you know, deal with any interactions in the morning with with other humans, whether in your house, you get in the car, you go to work, you deal with traffic, uh, you know, we haven't even gotten to any... Thing that's really going on in your life, you know. So when we think about it, we're really all big balls of conflict, and it's really just a matter of like how well we manage it with ourselves and how how well we manage it with other people. So if conflict is sort of like inevitable, then I think it is sort of behooves us to really step back and figure out, how, you know, with our own intrapersonal intelligence and interpersonal intelligence, you know, how do we sort of become the best version of ourselves? And, and in that in that process you know, dealing with the conflict that is every day, all the time, even if we sort of get breaks from it, of course, uh, we, and even in those breaks, by the way, parenthetically, we may be dealing in our minds with a conflict that we're actually not talking to someone about or having. So, I mean, we really have to sort of manage this on a daily basis. And that's why I think that the skill sets are so important. And starting to think about it as something that you can uh, work with, as opposed to something that happens to us, I think is critical.
4: So, uh, uh, one thing we, uh, when we titled the show, we were talking about building uh, your own brand ambassadors. How do you, um, uh, what what are some techniques to move just beyond what we call the baseline, the lowest common denominator to actual enthusiastic ambassadorship for the organization?
5: Well, I think that, and this sort of feeds into what we've been talking about, I think that this concept is really how well conflict is managed internally between relationships is going to have an impact on how well, how much energy, how much discretionary energy will be used in positively branding the organization whether it's on the professional business platform or whether it's somebody who's at the grocery store and is bothered because they just dealt with, you know, four days of work where they don't want to be and they don't like it. And so now that's coming off when somebody behind them says, you know, oh, I see you. I haven't seen you since college. You know, what are you doing? Where do you work now? And all of a sudden they become the brand ambassador, right? And the gatekeeper for how this person is going to think. So we have to sort of like look at, um, it almost like an internal customer service mentality around branding as well as an, you know an external how that person who's normally not in charge of particularly branding as a job function is still branding within the company and when dealing with others that are outside.
1: So when uh, you had talked about the, the you know the five categories of their interest relationships values structure data I've, I've got them in the wrong order but um, so as in as managers or leaders in an organization and you want the your your employees to be brand ambassadors do so do we need to be um, I guess trained or educated to know how to go to a, a specific person who, who to, to be able to say how how can I talk to this person um to be a brand ambassador for the company uh, that's different from person B?
5: Okay, so that's a really interesting question in the sense that, you know, that's where, um, and I'm a huge fan of Myers-Briggs inventory, okay? I just think that in many ways it was was rolled out in a way that sort of said, hey, you're going to do this, we're going to figure out what your personality type is, we're going to figure out what everyone else is in the office, and then you're going to be able to better approach them, Uh, And I I don't think that's realistic. So I think that having a few basic tools like the one we talked about, understanding the sources of conflict, also learning how to create disarming statements, how to create disarming statements by understanding what other people's underlying needs and drivers are. So when we do those types of things, like I said, they're not personality-driven. So that I I can do it, you can do it, we can all do it, because it's like a skill set, you know, and it's like a golf swing. You know, it's like my golf swing is bad, but if I spend a lot of time working on it and I get a coach or I get training on it, it's going to get better and better. It's the same golf swing. I can go pretty much pick up a golf club anywhere I'm at, and I'm going to have a better golf swing. So I think that's, I think that's important. And so, it's like I said, it's, it's very easy for people, I think, professionals, bright people, to get defensive, particularly in America, because we're not particularly good learners as adults. We, we have this tendency to feel like we pretty much know it and particularly when content experts when we're really good at our jobs we forget that these conflict skills were actually never really taught to us so we can we can some people are going to be able to be more successful based upon their personality based upon how they're hardwired based upon their their parents and their teachers and their upbringings and the experiences they had and yet even with all those things you still have executives all the way down to you know the people at the lowest level who still don't necessarily have consistent conflict management skills that they can rely on that support the mission and support the individuals who are trying to carry it out.
4: And I think that's a very interesting point. You know, it goes beyond um, uh, – one thing that I get irritated with uh, working in communication – is you know a belief that the right slogan or the right catchphrase can somehow fix bad operations and I think you just made an excellent point uh, uh, an excellent point with that you can only uh, uh, be as effective as your employees and your managers are and if they don't have the skills uh, if they don't uh, if, if they don't understand what it takes to um, re- resolve these conflicts uh, in a, a, uh, a structure way then you you are truly as my mother would say just pounding your uh, overhead down a rat hole.
5: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing is it's sort of like and so it sort of circles back to that conflict calculator thing. You know, I did it because people would say, well, I I don't know how to quantify it or I don't I don't know how much it's hurting us or you or they'd say you can't quantify it. And I'd say, no, you can, and we don't need even to use that tool. I think at the beginning of the show, you talked about how, you know, everybody sort of deals with conflict. I think it would be fair to say that most people deal with one hour of conflict a week. You know, I think it probably would range from one to 20, maybe more, depending on what job you do. But if you just do simple math and you just, you, with simple math leads you to a number that is far, far greater, exponentially greater than the cost of training exponentially greater and so if people say well i don't want to do the calculator which i don't understand why you wouldn't want to calculate but if you think that one person has times their salary times one hour a week and you did that through the number of people in your organization and you looked at the executive level manager level and employee level you'd find a number that would make you say okay well maybe we need to look at this and i think that's when people start to look at they say well you know what I don't really want to take the time to train my managers to do this stuff because we have the business at hand, but it's really about and this is sometimes what's challenging I think for business business owners, leaders, executives is to say, Hey look, we have to look at what we're saving, not just what we're generating. You know, generating revenue is where it's at. And saving money is pretty good. And I think people also intuitively know there's an issue because I've offered to work for somebody for free. I said, I'll, I'll, do, I'll work for you for a year and a half for free, but you've got to give me 40% of every conflict dollar that I save you. And he said, no way. And I said, well, <laughs> you can use a calculator or you can intuitively know that you're losing tons of money, but how about you start to do something
4: about it? Well, I just opened it up, and this is available to um, uh, everyone at ConflictCalculator.com, and you can download it as a PDF uh, format or as Excel. I've got it open in Excel, and it is, it's delightfully simple. It is asking how many hours a week your executive leaders, your supervisors, and your employees are each spending per week um, uh, addressing conflict, and then you multiply that by their hourly cost. And then you get your uh, at, at the bottom it all totals up uh, nicely uh, in, into what your annual cost is to manage uh, uh, to manage conflict. I think it's uh, it, it's wonderfully simple, and I I, uh, I kind of want to like stop the show right now and go calculate this for Vox Optima, <laughs> but I, I guess I can wait. another So hey, no, Merritt, you, you do
1: it. You Merritt, you do it for you do it, and then I'll do it, and then we can have a fight over it.
4: Perfect. Perfect. Let's do that.
1: You can have a conflict. Let's
4: do that. It. <laughs> I, I actually, and it, so, it, it sounds like you do get some conflict Like in uh, try, just trying to convince people to use this and acknowledge they have it. That can be a conflict in itself.
5: Yeah, you know, it's crazy. In a former life, you know, I used to teach teach high school and um, and then I taught teachers. But before I did that... I said, you know, if you find cigarette butts in the urinal and you're giving out detentions for kids smoking on property, you have a cigarette problem, right? So you need to acknowledge that. And it, and it's like, okay, well, if we acknowledge it, then we have to do something about it. And in some ways, it's very similar to the point you made and we talked about earlier, which is this putting out surveys and not taking action. You know, if there's things that are in the environment that tell you that need to take action, we got to do it. And, uh, you know, I think when people, you know, I think when people start to see the dollar amount, that starts to get you to slow down. And here's what I think is the other thing. I think that, and because I've been talking about this for a really long time, and I've been the guy with the stinky card because you know nobody really wanted to talk about it, and they still in a lot of ways don't. But what happened in 2016 with the election, which changed things for so many people, regardless of their generation, it, it sort of brought the frustration. It's almost like the, the lid on, a ball, on water that's boiling over doesn't get taken off. And, and what's happening now is that it's, I think it's getting impossible to deny that workplace conflict is a real issue. And I think that's what's now motivating people, you know, 15 years later to say, you know what, maybe we really need to take a good look at this.
4: Uh, so true, so true. I'm, I'm just loving this conversation. We've got to go to break right now, but uh, stay, uh, please stay with us and send your uh, questions and comments to brand. at foxoptima. com. We'll be right back.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels, you'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit voxoptima.com. That's voxoptima.com.
4: All the time, it used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street. But now that competitor may be across the world. On global business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each shift is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern.
0: are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program
1: welcome back to the brand ambassadors i'm gary Potterfield, along with merritt hamilton allen and uh, our guest, Dave Berger. And uh, so, so I've been looking over, and uh, when we were preparing for the show, and, and I'd called up, uh, I have a tab up open for uh, all 24 of your websites, Dave. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> kidding there. Uh, but, uh, but the one, of course, that just, you know, that is the one that is the, the you know, that scares the heck out of people, preparing for robots. What in the heck? You have a website called Preparing for Robots. What is going on with that?
5: Well, awesome. Thanks for asking me about that. So Preparing for Robots is actually going to be a Voice America show that's going to be starting uh, in a couple of weeks, September 10th, 5 p.m. on Monday. So I'm pretty excited about that. It's also going to be a uh, TV segment that I'm launching in September with somebody. And it's really about the impact of all things digital on humans. And so everybody's kind of talking about AI and AR and virtual reality and all this stuff that, for many of us, it's making our heads spin. And so what I wanted to do is talk about how this stuff is actually impacting human beings. So working with experts in these subjects to help them simplify uh, for business leaders and professionals, the issues that are happening in all different industries so that we can uh um, better prepare for what's coming in the future and i think that that's a that's a huge thing and it's sort of uh it's not a scary thing uh and yet it's a scary thing and yet we have to be positive and look for you know the innovation and talk to experts and what they want us to know about how we can be successful and and as far as the sort of the next question often people say is well where's the intersection of workplace conflict and preparing for robots and you know the the quick answer is that you know if if, if we're looking at potentially losing fifty percent of jobs over the next, I'm going to say uh, ten to twelve years, and uh, particularly jobs that where people are making forty thousand dollars or less, and they're not dealing with human beings, um, we, we have to do something. And so with this, these big changes, we need to maximize human performance. And knowing that digital is there gives us a sense of urgency to help us work on what I think are the skills of the future, which uh, you know, other than the technical skills are going to be conflict management, communication, leadership, emotional intelligence, and creative problem solving. And so we need to get our people to do these things better now, not wait until they're phased out. We don't need to, as humans, work to make ourselves obsolete. And, and that's really important because robots and digital has, has way more potential for a lot of work than humans can possibly do. So we have to sh- really show our value. And show our and show a ROI uh, on humans. <laughs> and you know, I never thought I'd ever say that, but we have to do that, and we have to do that through the way that we work with other people. That's fundamental.
4: Oh, I I think that's uh, going to be a fascinating show, and uh, I hope you'll consider us uh, as guests to talk about uh, uh, communicating uh, uh, communicating the brand and uh, the, what that brings in, uh, uh, into the workplace and understanding uh, the corporate really having a corporate value statement that um, uh, your people can get behind. And I, you know, I absolutely agree with the premise you're putting out that this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to uh, do more work than ever before. We just make sure that we and our workforce is ready for it.
5: Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the huge piece. And I think from, a, a pers- from all levels, right, leaders and businesses need to know where to go. You know, they need to be thinking about, you know, as we move forward with technology, what are the things that robots like to do and robots aren't good at? And those are the things that humans need to be doing and transitioning to those roles within organizations. There's no, it doesn't make any sense to be training people to do things that digital and robots and those types of things are going to be able to do. So that shift is going to have to happen and it's going to happen from leaders. It's going to need to be seen by professionals so they can better understand their, their, their life. Um, and how to move forward professionally with, with respect to employment or on-the-job training for whatever's next for them. And I think that's huge. And all the while, the concurrent theme is if you're not working well, if you're not dealing with other people, if you're not successful in having conflict, positive, proactive conflict conversations, you're going to struggle when we're looking at limited number of jobs. They're going to look to the people that have the skill sets to do those things.
1: So, should the uh, young person who is just getting ready to join the workforce uh, be optimistic, or uh, uh, just, or is it a pessimistic outlook for them?
5: Well, I mean, the question is: is what industry are they in? And so, you can look at different industries and how they're going to be impacted, and what their job is, and what they went to school to get trained in. So, if they are, if they went to school for marketing and branding, you know, they just need to look and see. What do I need to know in order to be a successful, you know, candidate or potential candidate uh, at this work job? And, you know, the other thing that people really need to consider, and it's really of all ages, but to your point, is that you have to learn to be agile with and learn more. Uh, there are going to be lots of things that are going to require us to learn uh, as technology shifts. And so your ability to not get stuck in, well, that's not the way I used to do it or that's going to be obsolete. You're going to have to move past that. So, to be open minded, to adapt, uh, to be able to deal with ambiguity, uh, these are all things that are conflict management skills as well.
4: And I think it's important to also, though, um, look for benchmarks where you can. And when I think of that, I think about digital natives. You know, these are the kids who um, are coming out of college, uh, coming out of high school, and they have grown up in a completely digital world that's very different from even the generation before. There's tremendous opportunity there. And we can look at how different national issues have been managed, uh, uh, particularly school violence and school bullying, and some some of these student-led movements that have created national attention seemingly instantaneously. Uh, You know, as a proud Gen Xer, I may struggle to figure out how to go viral but our digital natives, because it comes. And learning that lesson and exploiting it, I think will, uh, will be absolutely crucial.
5: Yeah, and I think that also all the way through this, th- we're going to have to see and what's the, what does morality look like with respect to how this is happening. I mean, social media we saw in politics uh, in, on both sides and continuing in all different races is, is huge, and, and so is the influence on kids. And so when we look at social media and the fact that in many ways, you know, you, there, you'll see some videos where you'll have 8 million people watching a video of someone pouring milk straight over their head. But if you were to put out the path to self-actualization, you might get four likes. So I think that it's, it, this, is, this is one of the issues that people are going to have to, they're going to have to manage it in their own home, right? And they're, and they're in their own business of how this social media, you know, for good and for not, uh, because it's to, to definitely, right. definitely as we know, is two sides of the coin. For, for how this stuff impacts are, really every part of life. We
4: have a. We obviously have a lot more to say, but we are, uh, Aaron, our stalwart engineer, is letting us know it's time to wind down. But Dave Gerber, thank you so much. Please listen to his show on Voice America, Preparing for Robots, and check out one of his many websites, ConflictCalculator.com. Also note, Vox Optima will be holding a day-long executive uh, uh, spokesman training session on September 11th. So for Gary Potterfield and Dave Gerber, I'm Merritt Hamilton-Allen. Thanks so much for listening this week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to the Brand Ambassadors. Please join Merritt Hamilton-Allen and Gary Potterfield for another edition next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.